weariness of the day. Give us, I pray, ears to hear and a heart to obey all that you have for us tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The context of the psalm is Israel in one of the war times, uh, probably Israel under attack from the armies of Assyria. We'll get more into that context here as the sermon goes. So the historical context is Israel under attack. The armies of Assyria had surrounded them. Everywhere that they looked, danger lurked, ready to take away everything that they held dear. And they were essentially helpless to stop it. Each tomorrow promised to be a little bit bleaker than the day before. By the way, when I think historically and where Israel is now, I'm reminded that God brought Israel through this in Psalm 46, and God will bring Israel through this that they face today. These are dark days for Israel, but nothing is hidden from God. These are difficult days for Israel, but nothing is too hard for our God. Now, we consider Israel here surrounded by her enemies, and you and I are not surrounded by our enemies in a physical sense. That there are no enemy forces besieging the city of Clyde, watching us slowly run out of food and water, wondering which one of us will eat first when we turn to cannibalism. That is not our state, right? It's not what we face. But you and I do know what it feels like to be overwhelmed. We do know what it feels like to be overrun, to feel overworked, etc., etc. We do know what it is to struggle under the burdens of life. I wonder how many times somebody's even showed up to church smiling on the outside, but struggling on the inside. In reality... The situations may differ. Our situation is not Israel's situation, and your situation is not my situation. But though our situations and struggles may differ, the solution is the same. God is our refuge and our strength. Church, I want to remind us tonight that this psalm is not teaching that God has the answer. This psalm is teaching that God is the answer. And so tonight, let's be still and know. Look with me at verses 1 through 3. The psalmist wrote, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear? Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with swelling thereof, Selah. Be still and know, church. Be still and know. What are we to be still and know? Number one, be still and know that he is our refuge. He is our refuge. By the way, with Brother Charles out, uh, you will be, if you want to take notes, you're going to have to listen and write. And uh, as we look at things, we're going to use our Bibles tonight. Amen. So other than Psalm 46, it's probably not going to be on the screen. So, But that's all right, because we still know how to use our Bibles. Amen. He is our refuge. God is our refuge. What is a refuge? A refuge is a shelter, a rock of covering. A refuge is something that you can run to, that you can run into, that it will protect you. It will separate you from that which threatens you. 
A refuge is a refuge because it is something that is capable of keeping the bad out while protecting the good within. Church, God doesn't just provide us with a refuge. He is a refuge. But he is not just a refuge. Look with me at verse number one. God is, what is it, church? Our refuge. He is what? God is our refuge. God is what? Our refuge. Now, here's why that's important. Because for the most part, this is a Wednesday night crowd, right? Most of you guys have have been at this thing of following Jesus for a little while. And for the most part, we know enough about God to get us through just about anything. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I quoted it earlier, Psalm 84, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Jesus said that he was the bread of life, that he was the living water. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. He is a healer. He is a provider. He is a comforter. For the most part, the reality is, no matter what struggle you and I face, most of us know enough about God to get us through just about anything. But the problem is, knowing that God is a refuge... And living the reality that God is our refuge are two very different propositions. Knowing that Jesus is a shepherd and being able to say the Lord is my shepherd are very different. To say that Jesus is the bread of life, to say Jesus is my bread of life, my comfort, my provider, my healer, my light, my son. My shield. You see, none of this is profitable until we make it personal. You see, Psalm 23, we've referenced it a couple of times. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Literally has the idea of because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Has nothing to do with me and my capacity. Has everything to do with the capacity of my shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He is my healer. He is my resurrection. He is my life. Boy, if that's the case, I don't fear death, do I? When I make my home in that refuge, despair cannot touch me. The application is simple. If our lives are being ravaged by rough waters, we need to harbor in the safe refuge. You say, well, preacher, that's, that's a little extreme. Is, is Jesus really the answer? Is Jesus really the refuge for everything? Did you notice what the psalmist said? Don't you love when you can just go back to the Bible and get the answers? The psalmist said that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That that word trouble there, it's a neat little word. It simply means a tight spot. How many of you have ever been in a tight spot before? You've been in a tight spot and the Lord Jesus helped you through it. Jesus showed up. I, I was talking with somebody the other day and they gave the testimony that I cried to the Lord and he heard my cry and answered my prayer. I said, how beautiful is that? That in the middle of the night, God would hear our cry and answer our prayer. 
What a beautiful thing. You ever been in a tight spot? Boy, what a, what a great truth that, that God can be my shield. He can be my support. He can sustain me even through the tight places. But the psalmist didn't say the Lord is just my refuge and strength in a tight place. Did you see what else he said? Look at verse 2. Therefore will not we fear. He said, though the earth be removed. Think about that. A second scenario here is that the earth or the land is literally removed. So the picture is, take something that is unchangeable and unchanging and then radically change it. But he goes further. He says, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. When you think about a mountain, what do you think of? You think of perhaps something that is unshakable. So the psalmist says, even when the unchangeable changes, even when the unshakable crumbles before me. You ever been there? When that which should have been unchangeable changed right in front of you? When that which should have been unshakable crumbled before your very eyes? We can list things. There's no point in listing such scenarios. The reality is when it hits you, you know it. But you know what the psalmist says? The psalmist says, God's just not good for when you get in a tight spot. God is good. God is enough for when your world flat falls apart. That even when your world falls apart, he is a refuge and strength. Even when your world falls apart, our refuge is up to the task. Now remember, what is a refuge? It's a shelter. It's a rock of covering. It's something that separates you from that which threatens. It's something that is capable of keeping the bad out and protecting the good within. That means when I harbor my soul in the refuge of Jesus, when I abide, Psalm 91, under the shadow of the Almighty, when I run to his strong and high tower, what happens? When the unthinkable happens around me, I can have confidence that my soul, my purpose, my peace, my joy, my future, that I am untouchable in the refuge that is my God. Be still and know that whatever happens around you, He is our unfailing refuge. Be still and know He's our refuge. But look what else the psalmist says. Look back in verse 4. There is a river. We'll talk about it in a minute. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Be still and know, be still and know, number one, that he is our what, church? He is our refuge. Be still and know, number two, church, that he is our resource. He is our resource. Now, the history and the context is helpful. The psalmist mentions here there is a river. 
So you go back and you remember how we started. The city of Jerusalem is surrounded by the Assyrians. And in essence, in that day and age, armies would siege a city. They would surround a city and cut it off and wait until that city had run out of supplies. The, the idea was to have a takeover without a battle if possible. In essence, some version of that is actually happening in the Middle East tonight. What Assyria did not realize is that King Hezekiah had taken some wise practical steps before they came. And King Hezekiah had, had built and hidden a tunnel that ran from an underground spring into the city. So this tunnel, this uh, river provided an unlimited resource of water for the city of Jerusalem. So the reality was, no matter how the enemy raged around them, no matter how long they tried to wait them out, the city of Jerusalem, the people of God, would always have a resource that would never run dry. What a beautiful analogy. Because the reality is, God's people have always depended on resources that this world cannot see or understand. We have a marvelous, unfailing, always sufficient river within us. Jesus in John 4, speaking of the Holy Spirit, likened it into springs of living water. John in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 4, what did he say? He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You see, we have something within us that's greater than the world could even imagine. The Holy Spirit of God lives within us. And the reality is all of the raging armies of this world cannot quench what God has provided for us. Let me give you one example of this tonight. And that is simply the example of peace. God offers his people peace. The Old Testament prophesied that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace. That means, I, I believe with all my heart, that those of us who align ourselves under His domain, His is a domain of peace. And so when I put myself under His rule, I am putting myself under that domain of peace. Look with me at John 14. You're going to have to turn in your Bibles. John 14, there's a Bible there in the pew in front of you. John 14, the chapter begins, let not your heart be troubled. The disciples are very discouraged and confused about Jesus and him going away, the crucifixion that was to come and, and what's going to be happening. Jesus starts John 14 with let, your not, let not your heart be troubled. You go a little farther in the chapter, drop down to verse 27. He tells this to his people. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so Jesus here, as he talks about his peace, yes, he's going to go away. Yes, things are going to change. But no matter how the world changes around us, no matter how we face struggles in this life, there is a peace that Jesus offers that allows our heart to not be troubled or afraid. Look a couple chapters over. John 16 and verse 33. Jesus talked a lot about peace in these chapters because the disciples needed it. Verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. Can we pause right there? Jesus didn't say, these things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace. Because if he had just said that, well, then maybe we could get peace from the blessing he gives. Maybe my peace then would come from the blessing of my health or the blessing of my money or the blessing of my position or the blessing of my relationships. Or... But Jesus didn't leave it open-ended. This kind of peace comes from one place. Where is it? Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Isn't that interesting? Very often we think that peace is the absence of conflict and problem. But that is never how peace is presented in the Bible. Peace is always presented as a possession, as a confidence and a quietness of heart in spite of conflict and problem around us. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. Think about it this way. I love John 16, 33. It'd be a great one to memorize, mark down, write, put on the bathroom mirror, put, put, on, the, uh, put on the dashboard right next to your uh, setting on the radio that says clean air. Um, all that good stuff. Amen? Amen. So uh, why is that a great one? Because it reminds me of something. In the world, I'm going to have tribulation. Very often, I feel like things in this life just, just want to come over me. You ever been there? Things like, they, they feel like they come out of nowhere. And they just want to come over me, come over me, come over me. Here's the thing. Before that thing ever tried to come over me, Jesus has already overcome it. And because of that, I can have peace in him. That's a resource the world can't take. That's a resource a downturning economy can't take. That's a peace that war and conflict can't take. That's a peace that you fill in the blank can't take. Because before it ever tried to come over me, Jesus has already overcome it. Period. End of story. Peace. But you know, all of God's resources act that way. When you're in the refuge, when you're drawing from that well, that river that never runs dry, the world can't take your peace. It'll be a peace that passes understanding, Paul says. The world won't be able to take your joy. You'll be able to rejoice in the Lord always. 
The, the, the world won't be able to take your gratitude. We're coming up on Thanksgiving season. I love Thanksgiving. You know what? When you are drawing from that well, guess what? You will be able to, in everything, give thanks. The world won't be able to take your purpose because your purpose comes from above. All of God's resources act that way. The raging armies of the world cannot quench what God has provided. There is a river, and the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Verse 5, O oh God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. No matter where we find ourselves, God is with us. God is within us. God is watching over us. God is going before us. God is upholding us by his right hand of power. And as Paul said in Romans 8, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And you know what, church? Sometimes we just need to stop and be still and know that he is our unfailing resource. He's our unfailing refuge. He is our unfailing resource. But <clears throat> look with me how this psalm ends. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. For he maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. He is our refuge. Just be still and know it. He is our resource. Just be still and know. And the reality is we're invited here in this last section to make the choice to simply rest in him. He is our refuge. He is our resource. Now I have to rest in him. Church, it is a choice to rest in God. Remember, the refuge is only meaningful if it's personal. I hate lightning. Anybody else here hate lightning? Okay, me and Chase, me and Roy, I'm in good company. I've told you this before. From a high school injury, I have several titanium plates in my head. And so I'm typically one of the taller guys in the room, and I have metal in my head, so I feel a little bit exposed during a lightning storm. Now let me ask you, would it make much sense for me to be standing in the backyard in a lightning storm knowing that my house was right behind me? Would that make me feel very good? Not so long as I was standing in the yard. You see, it's only profitable if I make it practical. Same thing with our resources. 
It's only profitable. It's only meaningful in a practical way if I partake. Think about financially. What good is having a million dollars in the bank if you're not willing to write a check? If you're not willing to swipe the debit card? What good is having it if you're not willing to draw from it? You see, we have an unfailing resource in the Lord Jesus. But, but it is only meaningful if I partake. So I ask us tonight as we finish. The psalmist says in verse 10, <clears throat> excuse me, be still and know that I am God. Can I ask you tonight, do you believe in his person? I got a couple of questions to ask. We're just going to get right down to it. Do you believe in his person? Jesus, uh, the, the Bible says, he said, be still and know I am God. He says, he is God. Do we believe that? Do we believe that, church, that he is God? Okay. Well, what does that mean? That means he is the great one. He is the glorious one. He is the sovereign creator and king over everything. Do you believe he's God? Well, if you believe he's God, if you truly believe he's God, then you must believe he's able. And if he's able, why, why don't we rest in him? Church, do you believe his person? Do you believe him when he says he is God? But he makes another statement. He says, be still and know that I am God. He says, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me ask you, you told me you believe in his person. You believe that he is God. But let me ask you this, do you believe in his plan? Do you believe in his plan? He told us what his plan is right there. What was it? I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me ask you, do you believe him when he says that he will be glorified in all the earth? That he will be glorified by and in and through his people? I love the scripture that says he's big enough that he even makes the wrath of men to bring his praise. Let me ask you, you told me you believe in his person. Do you believe in his plan? Do you really believe he's big enough to be glorified in all the earth? Do you, church? Do we believe that tonight? Well, if we believe his plan, then you must believe that this outcome is assured. That there is no other possible end that could take place. And if we truly believe that the outcome is assured, why wouldn't we rest in him? So you told me you believe in his person. He says, I, I am God. You believe that, right, church? He, you told me you believe his plan. He said, I will be glorified in the earth. We believe that, amen? Well, he makes a statement in verse 11. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us. Hmm. I ask us tonight, church, do you believe in his presence? He said he is with us. Do we believe him? He said he will never leave us or forsake us. Do we believe him? I love this. Not only will he never leave us or forsake us, he will never tire and need a break from us. I mean, come on now. Do you believe that, church? Well, if you believe in his presence, 
then you must believe he is available. And if we truly believe, he said, be still and know I am God. If we truly believe he is able in power, he said, I will be exalted in all the earth. If we truly believe that he is assured in plan, he said, the Lord of hosts is with us. If we truly believe that he is available in presence, then surely we believe that he's enough. And we can choose to rest, to cease from our striving to be still and know. You know, sometimes, church, we have to be still in order to know. This world's got us rushing a thousand different ways. A thousand different ways. Most of us have, have more notifications on our phone when we wake up in the morning than our parents had phone calls in a month when we were growing up. Can I get an amen? It never stops. But I'm going to tell you, if you let it, this life, this world will run you ragged. But I want to tell you something in love. You are not a victim of your circumstance. Well, if life wasn't... No, 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 no. You are not a victim of your circumstance. You either choose to live life or life will live you. And so people of God choose to live life. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we have to be still in order to know why. Because oftentimes God speaks in stillness. He speaks in a still small voice. Be still and know. By the way, when we make God our refuge, by the way, when we draw on God for our resource, can I tell you what we won't do? We won't stress there. Oh, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. And what? I'll give you rest. You can't stress there. You know what else you can't do there? You can't sin there. Because if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship together. There's no stress there. There's no sin there. Here's one. There's no fear there. Because there is no fear in love. Because perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Church, be still and know. I don't know what your struggle is, but I know you have a refuge. And I know you have a resource where I know you can find rest. Church, be still and know. Stop running to Facebook. Please stop running to Facebook. We would do well to quit running to Facebook and spend a little more time with our face in the book. Amen. Stop running to Fox News. Stop running to CNN. Stop running to Twitter or whatever it's called now. Just be still and know. I'm going to read Psalm 46 and then we'll be done. Listen. Listen with your spirit tonight. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, 
Will not we fear? Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. Oh, the heathen raged and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot with fire. Would you read the last two verses in unison with me? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is 